kids. We sure love you. Well, hello, church. Thanks for joining us today, whether you're in the building or whether you're online. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, well, we're back to, uh, we're done 50 days in the Spirit. I'm so glad that we were able to spend that time at the beginning of the year focusing on the Spirit of God, pursuing Him and seeing what He would have for us. I benefited a lot, not just from the sermons, but also from the life group material, as well as, uh, as I'm sure many of us did. Now I want to open this with some jokes. Oh yeah. What did the big tomato say to the little tomato? Come on, son, catch up. What works faster than a calculator? A calcul now. <laughs> Does it calculate later? Cal- yeah, you got it, yeah. I made a playlist for hiking. It has song, music from the Peanuts, the Cranberries, and Eminem. I call it my trail mix. <laughs> oh, man. I hope you haven't forgotten how terrible my jokes are. Uh, I took a bit of a break from them during 50 days, but we're back. Uh, this morning, I want to preach on something that is uh, dear to my heart, and I also think that it's dear to the heart of God. And so we're going to open in a word of prayer here in a moment, but the key scripture from today that I have read many times over the last few years, and that each time it's just hit me like a ton of bricks, and so I know that God has something really important for us as a church that's not just for me, and so whether you're in the building or at home, if you could just stand and let's, let's pray as we get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word that it is good, that you are good. And Lord, that we can learn from your word, we can be discipled by your word, we can be healed by reading your word as it washes over us and it makes us new, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that this morning, as we read your word this morning, that it would wash over our minds, Lord God, it would renew our minds, Lord. And I, Father, I pray for a good challenge from your word this morning, good encouragement from your word this morning, good teaching from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Please take a seat. Well, we're going to start our sermon this morning in Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 13, where it says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, Jesus said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. Well, clearly this verse is not just speaking about prayer and about stealing, but what else is it saying to us? What can we pull from what Jesus said 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem to apply to our lives here today? When the money changers and those selling the sacrificial animals set up, they set up outside of the temple walls in what's called the outer court or the court of the Gentiles. Okay, so for whatever reason, I don't know whether it was a business decision, whether they would be closer to their clientele there, or whether that was actually their standard practice and Jesus chose this day and time to confront them, to do something about it, or maybe there just actually wasn't room 
outside of the, the walls of the temple area. And so they had to set up there. I don't know. We aren't told why they were set up there. We just know they were. Okay? We also can infer, we could see, Jesus was not happy about it. Okay? He overturned the tables of the money changers. He kicked out those that were selling the doves. They, he kicked out the merchants. He kicked out everyone that was even there to buy a sacrifice. And so he caused quite the scene. We, we may not know why the money changers or the merchants were there selling, but Jesus tells us why he was upset. He says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. The words and actions of Jesus held multiple uh, significant points of significance here. First, Jesus fulfilled prophetic words about the Messiah in what he said and what he did. First, we, we can look at Isaiah 56, 7 that says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And Jeremiah 7:11 says, Has this house, which bears my name, been a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. So both those scriptures were fulfilled in Jesus' actions and in what he said. This was a dem- Secondly, this was a demonstration of Jesus' messianic authority. Okay, so uh, the merchants and the money changers, they were all there under the permission of the high priest. Now, no one has higher authority than the high priest other than God himself. And so when Jesus was driving them out, he was saying, I have more authority than the high priest. Get out of here. Okay, so he opposed the authority of the high priest by clearing out the temple. Third, the temple was to be a house of prayer. How, 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 do you th- how could it be a house of prayer with the, the stench of all the animals, with the noise of all the exchange between the merchants, the, the money changers, the, the people trying to get a bargain? Uh, they go from this table to that table to that table. And how, how on earth could that be, have been a place to pray? It would have been so noisy. It would have been so stinky. I, I couldn't pray there. Well, it would be hard to pray there, right? Fourthly, the temple sacrifices needed to be done by devout Jews, regardless of where they came from. If they lived outside of Jerusalem, they'd have to travel to Jerusalem to give their sacrifice. And so if they didn't bring their own sacrifice, then they'd have to get one in Jerusalem. Or if they did bring their own sacrifice and it was injured along the way or um, it was looked at to see if it was verifiable to be a good sacrifice and declined. They said, no, sorry, not good enough. You have to get a different sacrifice. So they, they would have needed a sacrifice. So they, they had to purchase or exchange their money for temple currency. There was only one temple currency, only one currency, the temple currency that was used for the purchase of the sacrifices. So they needed to exchange their currency for temple currency, and then they needed to take the temple currency that they bought to the merchants to buy their sacrifice, and every step along the way, because the 
exchangers and the merchants running the sacrifice tables, because they each knew that that person needed to buy what they needed to buy in order to be the devout follower that they wanted to be, they were kind of in uh, a monopoly. The, the pur- purchaser was in a hard place. So both the exchangers and the merchants would take as much as they can from as many people as they could. They would take advantage of them left, right, and center. Jesus was not pleased by this. He was not happy with the fact that Jews and Gentiles were taken advantage of when they came to worship God, whether it was monetarily or whether it was because there was just no place for them to pray. Have you ever been in an outdoor market before with, with animals, dead or alive? And you can, you can definitely notice there are animals present. There's a different noise level that happens. There's a different smell that is present when animals are in an outdoor market. And so merchants, like I said, going back and forth, trying to sell the deluxe sacrifice package. Okay, I just need one more dove from from that guy over there. He's got the best doves. Go get one more of those. And then we got the deluxe sacrifice package. We can sell at a premium price to only the truly devout Jew. And so it would have been chaos. Maybe there was even no room. I don't know how many tables in different places were set up and merchant exchange tables. I don't know how much room there would have been. Maybe there was no room to even pray. I find all of these interesting and actually quite sad. It's it's a shame when we get distracted from our plans when we go to pray. But it's even worse when the church is, is cooperating or, in this case, even complicit in the corruption, even complicit in taking advantage of people. Sadly, sometimes terrible things do happen in the church, but that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. That's our sin getting in the way. That's our choice in choosing to sin, and we can't turn a blind eye. Like Jesus didn't turn a blind eye here. We cannot turn a blind eye to the sin in the church, to the sin in our own lives. We need to cast it out like Jesus cast out the money changers and the merchants. So let's read another perspective of the same account here in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. Mark eleven seventeen, And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. I like how Mark records here, he adds, For all nations. Nations. I like he includes that because that's actually what the original quote includes as well. So I don't know why the other gospel writers don't include that, but because it's closer to the original text, we'll use this text as our text for the sermon, as our key text. And what I want to do in this text is compare the language that Jesus uses to compare the house of prayer and the den of robbers. So the word for house in Greek is the word oikos. Now, you've heard us use that word before, but it has, it has two meanings. It means that it can be a physical house or it can be the people within that dwelling. Okay? So we've used it uh, to define the 8 to 15 people that we are supernaturally and strategically placed alongside with, the people that we live life together with. That's what we call our oikos. And... 
that Jesus is clearly intending this to refer to the physical structure, the temple. Right? He's casting people out of the outer court of the temple. He's talking about the temple. The temple was the original dwelling place for the Spirit of God. It was originally where God put His Spirit. Okay? But it's also where people gathered to pray and to worship. That's why Jesus referred to it as the house of prayer. When God's people pray, everything changes. Okay? God's people pray, everything changes. When we think about a house, we might think about positive things like uh, it's a place of warmth, it's a place of comfort, it's, it's where my family is, it's, it's inviting to be in, it's, it's welcoming. That is what I think about when I think of a home or a house. And those are things we should think about when we think of a home. Right? When I brainstormed all the words I thought uh, associated with the word den, I thought, oh, I thought foxes and dogs and dirty hole, and I thought, no, that's not suitable for human occupation. That's, that's for animals. That's, that's not right. That would not be comfortable. There'd probably be a, a rock in the middle of the ground. There's always a rock that you can't get out that's in the middle of the way, right? So there'd be a rock in the middle in your back as you're trying to lay down in the den or on your butt as you're trying to sit down and just sitting there hunched over, crouched down and the roots from the trees or the grass above in your ears and dirt everywhere. I just not comfortable. That's what I picture when I think of the word den. Okay? So Jesus contra- contrasts house of prayer with den of robbers. They were, the hearers of den would have thought about hiding place. They would have thought about um, a, a cave. But, but when you add of robbers, that changes the, the context of that word entirely. And uh, it, it makes it more uh, a place where criminals do illegal things, right? In fact, the freedictionary.com uses the phrase den of thieves, and they define it as a hidden or deteriorated and morally repulsive dwelling place. Well, that sounds a whole lot more like what Jesus was referring to when he was telling people that they're making the house of God, the house of prayer, into a den of robbers. The people present in the house to make it a house of prayer could certainly be reformed thieves or they could be uh, on their way to becoming saints and trying to leave that past behind. But uh, people in the den of robbers certainly wouldn't be people of prayer, at least not, I would think, anyways. And people that are in the house of God likely aren't people that steal. At least they shouldn't be. So when we look at the house of prayer and the den of robbers, these two don't sound anything alike. The next comparison that Jesus makes is what Mark includes in addition to what Matthew and Luke include. And so that is for all nations. Keywords. That's a key inclusion, and it shows even more of a gap between the house of prayer and the den of robbers. And I'm going to show you how. So if the temple or a church is a house of prayer for all nations, then they are going to be praying for all nations. They're going to be seeking the Lord. 
They are going to be seeking his face, and they're going to be advocating for all people, all nations, other countries, other churches, other people. They're going to be praying for all nations. That is the heart of Jesus. Jesus, in Matthew 28, 20, 20 verse 28, says, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The heart of God is for other people. On the other side, we have not God who is for people, but we have a den of robbers who are for themselves. They're trying to get as much as they can. Praying for other people is a selfless act. God gave his son to us as a selfless act. Jesus laid his life down on the cross as a selfless act. And then Jesus paved the way for the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the helper, the advocate to come and help us. Jesus served us. On the other side, we have the robbers. Just taking, thieves, stealing, the enemy, stealing, killing, and destroying. We have a totally different position there. The other thing that's mentioned here that should be uh, uh, mentioned is that Jesus is clearing out the court of the Gentiles, right? There's a dual meaning here of for all nations. You see, not only in the court of the Gentiles are they praying for all nations, but it's for the Gentiles. That's all non-Jews. That's all other nations. That place was specifically designed for all other nations to gather. That was their place to worship God. Okay? So I believe that was not just uh, for that time, but in Jesus declaring this, that it was also a prophetic word for the Great Commission, where we would go into all nations, declare the gospel message, and to make disciples in all nations. So again, the contrast of prayer and a thief, prayer is designed for the person praying to be strengthened to find direction, to be an advocate for others. Prayer is not selfish. When God's people pray, everything changes. Everything changes. The purpose of a robber, to take for themselves. These robbers are not Robin Hood. They're not taking from the rich and giving to the poor. They're not doing anything good or righteous. They're, they're selfish. They're taking for themselves. Prayer is essential as a Christian. Not optional, it's essential. And it's how we get to know Jesus. I've had some amazing answers to prayer in my life. Uh, I've already shared from the pulpit about how Lucy, when she was young, she was healed. So at three months old, we discovered that she was getting frequent, frequent infections. And that the doctor, the specialist said, she's going to need surgery. We have to wait until she's two before she's old enough and developed enough to give her that surgery, but she will need surgery. So we went home with medicine for Lucy. For two straight years, we gave her medicine. And for two straight years, we prayed. Every day, we prayed for Lucy's healing. Every day, we declared healing over Lucy's little body. And at the end of that two-year term, we went to a checkup to see the specialist again, where she expected to tell us, that we would need surgery. But she was flabbergasted when she saw the results. Lucy was fully and completely healed. She's never had a surgery in her life. 
Praise the Lord. Another time that I've seen answered prayer is simply when Kristen and I need to make a big decision. We are wondering, Lord, what is your will? What is your desire for us in this situation? Whether it's for a job, for a house, for another big purchase, another big decision. Lord, what is your will? And inevitably, he speaks. He answers our prayer and he tells us what he wants us to do, what his will is for us. And another time, other times, sorry, when I'm stressed about a meeting or I'm stressed about um, maybe a relationship that I feel or could sense that is strained, and I'm, I'm stressed about it, I'm telling Kristen, I don't know what to do, not giving her all the details, but, but just wondering like, oh, I, I just, I'm stressed, I'm upset, I don't know what to do. And inevitably, the next morning, I'm not as stressed about it. Not that I'm less concerned, but I'm less stressed about it. These are all answers to prayer. These are all different ways that God answers us. He, sometimes He changes the situation. Sometimes He changes me. Sometimes He changes both. When God's people pray, everything changes. Until this week, every time I've read Mark eleven seventeen or even heard it preached, I saw the emphasis obviously on prayer, obviously against stealing, but what else is there? Because I, I never actually drawn out a graph. This week I drew out a graph of all the different things, a bubble graph, something I learned to help me understand more in the text and, uh, from preaching school. And, and obviously God wants to talk about more than just prayer and stealing. And so I, I grew, drew out this graph and I could see there was just such a clear juxtaposition between prayer in the house of God for all nations and this den of robbers. A home is a source of comfort, safety, and intimacy. The headquarters of a gang is not. Prayer is for, prayer for all nations is a selfless act where we give, where we advocate for other people, where we pray and bless other people. Stealing from others is not a selfless act. It's a selfish act where they're taking. What Jesus is comparing in these two statements can't be further from each other. Well, that's interesting, Pastor Mike, but how does that apply to me today? Well, I'm glad you asked. What we can understand from the house is to mean not just the physical structure, but also, as we talked about, the personal as well. The temple in New Testament times is us. We are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God as believers. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And so we can take this reference to mean both as we gather and worship and pray and our bodies where the Spirit of God is, where the Spirit of God resides now as believers. When God's people pray, everything changes. Now, as far as I'm aware, we don't have a problem in this church with sticky fingers, except maybe in the nursery when they serve them some snacks. We don't have money or things walking out the door. We don't have things never coming back. In fact, we have the opposite problem. We have people that are donating things. We have people that are bringing things to the church, say, church building saying, hey, could you use this? We have had, honestly, 2020 was an amazing year 
financially in the church. We had a pandemic. We had two major renovations. But you know what? You were faithful. You were generous with the money and the finances and the different resources that God has given you, and you gave back to God. And we had an amazing year financially. We did better than we ever expected to do. And so thank you, church, for being responsible. Thank you, church, for caring about tithing. Thank you, church, for being generous with what God has given you already. Praise God for you. But here's where I think we can grow, okay? Both as individuals and corporately as a church. I know we're quick to pray for people, for healings, for encouragement, for, uh, for all good things, for wisdom, but that doesn't make us people of prayer. That makes us people that pray. And there's a difference there. And I'm not telling you you're one or the other, okay? Only that's between you and God. I can't tell you that, and I'm not going to guilt you into praying 14 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm going to encourage you. I want to put a desire in you to be a person of prayer. And God will tell you when you're a person of prayer. Your own conscience, the Holy Spirit, will tell you you are a person of prayer or not. Because I know I can grow in this area, and I want to be more of a person of prayer. What does that look like for you to be a person of prayer? Instead, again, I wanted to plant a desire in you to be that person of prayer. It doesn't take much to see that there are some pretty terrible things in this world. In this small province, in this small city, there's a lot of unsavory things happening. A lot of horrible things going on that we need to do something about. And our first step is to pray. Our first step is to intercede, to seek the Lord on behalf of those being hurt, on behalf of those that are needing help in that situation, on behalf of the country, on behalf of the world. We need to seek the Lord as our first thing. Second, we can be proactive. We can take positive action in these steps. We can, if I, we see litter, we want to just say, oh Lord, would you make this city a clean city? Would you remove all the litter from this city? And then just keep walking. No, you bend over, you pick it up, you put it in the garbage, right? We can pray and we can do something about it. When God's people pray, everything changes. There's a saying that, that's gained momentum over the past few years that is meant to communicate an issue from a customer to an employee. And that phrase is, see something, say something. But I want to challenge that. I want to change the definition on that just a little bit. I want it not to be from, employee, from uh, customer to employee. I want to change that definition so that when we hear that phrase, we think more about seeing something wrong and saying something to the one that can do something about it. Saying something to the creator of the person that's sitting across from you that needs healing. Saying something to the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Saying something to the one who put this whole existence into existence. Saying something to the one who needs, um, who, 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 sorry, to the only one 
who can do something about the person across from you that needs a miracle. I have a confession. I've, I've, in a sense, been a robber and a thief, and I've stolen from others by omission. I've not prayed for people when God's put it on my heart to pray for them. I've not gone up to people in the mall or big stores when I see them walking around with crutches on because I thought, ah, oh, I don't want to make them feel awkward. I've not spoken that encouraging word to someone else because, well, you know what I did one time before? It didn't seem to be received all that well. Or, I mean, they, they, they have to be so certain of this that why waste my breath approaching them and encouraging them in something that is such an obvious gift to them and everyone else? And I've not said things, encouraging words, that I should have. I've let the enemy steal from them and from me by not saying anything. See something, say something. Say something to the person that needs prayer or encouragement. Say something to the one who can change everything. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He's the creator and healer of people and even nations. He is God who hears us. When we are a people of prayer, then this house will be a house of prayer for all nations, by all nations. And when God's people pray, everything changes. Let's close our sermon in uh, in a word of prayer about this. And I just want to encourage you, be that person of prayer. Desire prayer. Seek Him. Seek Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that you, You love us. You care so much about us. You cared so much about the people back then, Jesus, that You purged the temple grounds of everything that was not of you. We pray, Lord God, we would be that ruthless with our own lives and with the sin in this church, Lord God. Not the people in this church that you love so much, but Lord, the sin in this church that we would cast it out of ourselves, we would get rid of it, Lord God, that we would throw it so far from ourselves, Lord. Lord, we want to be people of prayer. We want to make our own hearts, our own selves, houses of prayer. That this place would be a place of prayer for all nations, by all nations. Lord, we want to see that fulfilled. I know, Lord, that you are leading us in this direction. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to hear the call. Help us to be obedient to the call that you place on us every day that you place it on us, every moment that you place that on our hearts, on our minds. May we be people that are selfless, that reach out, that are obedient, Lord, to your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are learning about Jesus for the first time, 
and you don't know about him, you don't have a relationship with him, it's three simple steps to get you going in that relationship with him. And this is just the beginning of a relationship that will change your life. It's admit that you're a sinner, that you're not perfect. Believe that Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice to pay for all of your sin, past, present, and future. And then choose to follow him today and every day. If you want to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you've already said this prayer and you're already following Jesus with all your heart, then just say it along with me. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the perfect sacrifice. That we don't have to buy a sacrifice and we don't have to be that sacrifice. You already were that sacrifice for us. That even though we're not perfect, you are perfect. And you paid the price for our sin. And so we choose today to follow you. And we choose every day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that if you said that for the first time, that angels are rejoicing in the heavenly realms. And so I would love to rejoice with you and with them and to, to give you some resources as you walk along this journey with Jesus. So please email me at amen at livinghope-ca.org. And I would love to give you some resources. If you want prayer for anything, we can't very well have a sermon about prayer and not offer prayer. If you want prayer about absolutely anything, message us on Facebook right now. And someone will be in touch with you to pray with you for the next half hour. Thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful week. And I pray that God would transform you from, to be a person that pray, from a person that prays to be a person of prayer. Have yourself a great week. And God bless. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning at Living Hope Community Church. If you love what we're doing and you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can go to livinghope-ca.org backslash give and choose a giving option that works best for you. Or if God did something in your life and you want to, we want to know about it. So if you could send us a quick email at amen at livinghope-ca.org. Again, thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great week.